so many people being thrown into lion's den in our day and age, but there are a lot of freshmen being thrown into pits of seniors who are extremely annoyed. I don't know if it's the same thing or not, but it's got to be close. So the truth is that in our daily life, we all face a lion of some kind. There might be lions in the forms of challenges or problems or frustrations. There could be lions in the form of people. There could be lions in our lives in the form of something intensely spiritual. Like that says in the Bible in 1 Peter 5, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But when we look at our lives on a daily basis, we can all see that there are challenges in many forms facing us, eyeball to eyeball, roaring in our faces. And whatever form that might take, we have to learn some techniques for defeating the lion. And that's where Daniel comes in. This is week three of our hero series, and we're taking a look at different men and women from the Bible that we can look up to for some way or another. So I thought the the G-rated cartoon version of the story of Daniel would just be a nice break from your intense high school studies for one day. And just think of it from the perspective of a kid. Like, what does it look like to, to stare down a cute, cuddly lion? I'm not sure about those lions in that. But before you ever face a lion in your real life, you have to know what kind of person you're going to be. You have to have made up your mind of who you really are and what kind of person you're going to be. Now, what this video didn't show was before Daniel was an old man, he was clearly a young man. And when he was a young man, the Bible tells us that Daniel made up his mind. He made an intense decision. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says, but Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself. That means he would keep himself pure morally and spiritually and physically. And how did he do that? In advance, he made up his mind. He stopped before he ever faced the lions and he thought to himself and decided certain things that he would do and be and certain things that he would not do and he would not be. And if we are going to face lions in our lives and be victorious, we have to stop before we're in the battle with the lion and we have to ask ourselves, what are the things that I'm going to do and what are the things that I am not going to do? And we have to make some decisions in our mind before the battle comes. We have to decide what are we going to do with our sexuality? What are we going to do with our purity? What are we going to do when it comes to praying at school in front of people that don't know our God? What are we going to do about saying no to parties or vaping or drinking? What are we going to do when it comes to whether or not we're faced with a choice of of missing church or sport or bands or job? What are we going to do about these things? Because if we wait until we're staring eyeball to eyeball with a roaring lion about to devour us in the form of our band director, it is going to be very hard to choose what we really want to be. But if in advance we, like Daniel, make up our mind and say, no matter what the lion I face is, this is who I want to be. This is who I think God wants me to be. This is how I'm going to walk. This is how I'm going to talk. This is how I'm going to dress. This is how I'm going to like conduct myself. And this is how I'm going to recreate. I'm going to do these things to relax and hang out. But I'm not going to do those things. I'm going to get together with my friends. and I'm going to play my sports. And I'm gonna, but I'm not going to 
play PUBG 24-7 until my brain fries like a rotten egg. Like, I'm going to do these things to recreate, but I'm not going to vape and smoke pot on the weekends to just escape the stress of school. Instead, I'm going to do... We have to make those kinds of decisions before we're facing the lion. We have to decide. I'm not going to waste my entire high school career on social media chasing down who said what and who thinks what about me. I'm not going to spend my time talking crap about other girls or guys in my class. I'm not going to use inappropriate language. I'm going to use the truth. I'm, we have to just pre-decide. When you get your driver's license, are you going to text and drive or not? You're going to have to decide that. And if you wait till you get your driver's license and your phone is blowing up in the cup holder next to you and you're pretty sure it's a cute boy, if you haven't made up your mind that you're not going to text him back, you're going to text him. And that's why it's so important before you face the lion that you have already decided how that battle is going to go and what kind of person you're going to be. Who are you going to hang out with? Before you get to a situation when you look around and you're like, all these people I'm hanging out with do not think or believe or act the way I want to think or believe or act. So I don't think I'm in the right spot. And now it's too late. All of these things have to be predecided by us making up our minds. And that takes stopping. It takes getting alone a little bit and maybe getting out a journal and writing down some thoughts about what do you think you want to be? How do you think you want to be perceived? How do you want to live? How do you want to do life? Because when you predecide, it's easier to leave the wrong behind you and just stay on the path that you want to be on. If we don't decide ahead of time, our failure to decide will become our decision. And we will go down at the first sight of a lion. If we don't decide ahead of time, if we don't make that decision in our mind before we face the lion, then indecision becomes our decision. And we decide nothing, and therefore we do nothing, we go with the flow, and in the ends, we become destroyed. And sometimes it can feel like life is staring you in the face and it's like a whole pack of hungry, crazy lines. Now, I know the version we showed today, just to take a break from high school life, was very G-rated, very cartoony. The lions look like something I'd want to cuddle and snuggle, not something I would be afraid of. But in real life, when, when Daniel was in the lion's den, these were actual lions, like truly the beast that you would imagine from the African plains, like devouring type lions. And the Bible specifically says that they were crazy hungry when Daniel went in the lion's den, which is kind of cool um, and scary all at the same time. So I found this clip, and I don't know if you guys have seen it on YouTube. It went around a couple years ago. It's insane. It's these three men in the plains of Africa, and they decide they would like some wildebeest meat. And instead of taking a bow and arrow or a sword or whatever and chopping up a wildebeest, which is a cow... Instead, they decide that they are going to go and steal meat from the jaws of a pride of lions, right? I mean, that is just, that's a, that's a no for me on that idea. But th these men, these men decide that, that there's something in them that can stare down a lion. These men decide, pre-decide, make up their mind in advance that they are going to advance as three dudes with primitive weapons we're not talking about AK-47s and Jeeps. Primitive weapons advance on a pride of 15 lions and chunk off part of their wildebeest. 
But <laughs> I know. But then, then they do hightail it out of there, so I guess that's a good decision. They, they go, oh, we have to get out quickly before the lions call our bluff, because what are you going to do when that happens with your machete? Um, but that's not what Daniel did. He was thrown into a non-cartoon version, a pride of lions that was locked in some type of cage or cave that hadn't eaten deliberately to create fierceness with those lions to kind of starve them so that when the king wished to punish someone, they would easily be devoured. And so Daniel is then thrown into the den of lions, not just for a minute where he could like bluff his way somehow like those three dudes, but like spend the nights in the den with the hungry borderline starving pride of lions. And here's an ugly truth about life. There's always someone who wants to throw you to the lions. There is always someone who wants to throw you to the lions. Maybe that's the enemy, the devil. Maybe it's a person in your life that set themselves up as a rival against you or someone that truly dislikes you. There's always someone that wants to throw you to the lions. Pay them no mind. Do not give them the time of day. Do not give them any attention. You see, in this story in the Bible, the very reason the other consults to the king wanted to throw Daniel into the lion's den was because they were jealous of him. They were threatened by him. And rather than spending their time and their energy bettering themselves to come up to Daniel's level, they decided to make their energy go to squishing Daniel down to a lesser person. And there will always be people like that on this planet. And when we encounter them, we must pay them no mind. We must not look to the side and see what they're doing. We must not go to social media and scroll through their posts to see if they're thinking of us and tweeting about us. We must simply be who we're called to be, focus on the task God has given to us, because there will always be someone trying to get your spot at some level or another. And the best thing to do is pay them no mind. Maybe it's a person trying to get first chair in the bands. Maybe it's a person trying to get your spot on the team. Maybe it's someone trying to just hone in on your favored status with a certain teacher. Maybe it's just someone trying to undercut you with your group of friends around you. But there are always people on this planet that won't like you or won't like me. There's never going to be a time in life, no matter how hard we try, where we are universally liked by everyone. And we can kill ourselves by trying. And that's why we have to embrace like kind of the harsh truth of that there are always going to be someone who wants to throw you to the lions, but pay them no mind at all. Daniel did what Daniel does. He made up his mind. He said, I am going to pray. I'm going to pray three times a day. He could have said five. He could have said one. But he chose three times a day. And when his enemies came after him with a law that said, don't pray, he paid them no mind. He continued doing and being who he decided he was going to be in advance of the lion in his face. And the lions in Daniel's face weren't just the lions in the den. They were the men that were after him that wanted to feed him to the lions to begin with. And he just sidestepped him. He, he paid them no mind. He kept right on being himself. 
He kept right on being the very person that God had called them to be. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, it says this. It says, but when Daniel learned the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done. So he didn't change to show off. And he didn't change by being intimidated, just as he has always done, giving thanks to his God. He just didn't sweat it. He didn't sweat his enemies. He didn't pay attention to what they were saying, posting, doing, tweeting, texting. He, he just did what he did, and he kept on doing it, regardless of what anyone else thought or what anyone else said. And I don't know, students, I don't know what you're facing right now in your life, but I believe that God wants you to know, stay the course. Keep on praying Keep on keeping on. Keep on playing your game. March your march. Be who he called you to be. Don't worry about them. Do not listen to them. Don't read their posts. Don't go on their site. Don't respond to those texts. Don't look at what they're doing, saying, or how they're responding to you. You just do you. And here's another thing that, that I learned from Daniel's story. I learned that when I'm staring down a lion, I have to trust God to fight that battle for me. Because guess what? Daniel couldn't John Cena that lion into some kind of headlock overnight. It was not an option. There was nothing he could do once he was in the den of hungry lions overnight, trapped with the whole pride of him, to get out of that situation himself. Maybe he cried out to God as he was falling down the hole, save me from this. And maybe he envisioned himself flying like an angel out of the hole and escaping from the king's clutches, but that's not what happened. Instead, he spent the night in the cave with the lions, eyeball to eyeball with someone that wanted to devour him and hurt him. And what I learned from the book of Daniel is that there are battles in my life and there are situations in my life that I cannot control. I can't fix them. I can't get my way out of them. And I, I, I don't like that. That's hard for me. Um, I, I like being in control. I like being the boss of things. I like having a plan to fix things. And then I like having a backup plan in case that plan doesn't work. And a third backup, another backup plan to the backup plan for the original plan that could also work based on these several contingency variables of how I'm going to do it. And my staff is laughing because this is no exaggeration. We run like 19 backup plans for problems because I like to have a solution to every problem that I face. I like to, to, to be in control. It's one of my strengths, but it's also one of my greatest weaknesses. And so when I read Daniel chapter 6 and I see this man who's a strong leader facing a lion that there is no chance he can control, no chance he can lead, no chance he can headlock, He's, he, he cannot fix this situation, it reminds me that I too am dependent on God, that I face things on a daily basis that I cannot control and I should not even try. And that's hard for a person like me with my type personality. And I know that there are many of you in this room that you have the same backup plans. I saw people nodding. That's how you like to do life. But the truth is, that's not how life works. I wish that I had that much power. But the truth is that there's only one God and I am not him. There's only one throne and I don't sit on it. And, and if I try to sit on the throne of my life as God and Lord of myself, then, then the heavenly father will take a back seat and let me do that and watch me mess it up. 
I have to make a conscious choice to say, I cannot control this, so I give it to God. I relinquish control. I trust God in an uncontrollable situation. And that's what Daniel was facing, a literally uncontrollable situation. There is literally nothing he can do. And you might go, well, that's weird, JL, because that is, you know, there's no lions. Okay, but what about cancer? Can you control that? That diagnosis, out of control, right? The loss, the death of a loved one, out of control, instantly. A friend moving, that's your dearest, closest friend across the country, gone from your life, out of control. God constantly allows situations to come in our life that force us to recognize that we are not God and that he is God. And our response to those moments is hugely significant to our life. It's a concept God wants us to learn called lordship. One Lord, and it's not me. Nothing drove this point home harder for me than my husband and I, when we first got married, we wanted to start a family and things weren't going according to plan. And so we took a couple detours and that led to um, us being foster parents. And so if you ever met my kids or see my kids, um, you realize that our two oldest boys are adopted. Um, and... <laughs> You can put up the picture, it'll make a little more sense to those who don't know. But, but of the three boys, you can kind of see how that would be the case. So our two oldest sons are adopted and we were, we were foster parents when this came to pass. And so Lavelle and I were foster parents for about five years. We, we fostered over nine children and um, it was a gut-wrenching, beautiful, terrifying, amazing experience all rolled into a complete ball of chaos. And um, in the end, it worked out because those are our sons now. Um, but there was a time in my life where I got a phone call and I went to a hospital and um, I, I scrubbed my hands to, till they almost bled because they wanted me to take this little preemie. And he was four pounds. And I don't, baby should be eight pounds, in case you're wondering. He was four pounds. And we have a little picture of him on the day he was born. He was 12 inches long. That means he was this big. I could put his head in my hands and his feet would not reach past halfway to my elbow. And I am a short-armed person. And I was sitting in the hospital room holding him and they said, do you wanna take him home tonight? And I said, I don't have a bottle or formula, or any clothes at all, and um, how about tomorrow? And so I went and got a few things and brought him home the next day, and they didn't know if he was gonna live or die because he was four pounds, because he had to drink from a syringe that was about the size of my pinky, and we would, we would give him food in drops, like milk in tiny, tiny, tiny drops. So every two hours, I would wake up and I would, I really didn't sleep, but I would be laying in the recliner and I would pick up the baby and I would fill the syringe with milk and I would do a tiny drip, a tiny drip, a tiny drip, tiny drip until he drank like 10 milliliters of liquid. And I don't know if you know exactly how much that is, but that's probably a quarter of a shot glass. That's probably not a great pastoral description, <laughs> but you all know what I'm talking about. So that's going to go down in history right there, isn't it? Good times. So I'm just trying to think of the small, anyways, I'm moving on. So 
Then I would lay him back down and it would all start over an hour and a half later. 24-7, every two hours, around the clock, around the clock, around the clock. And I would hold him against my chest and I would snuggle him and I would bring him to work and he would be wrapped, sometimes like just with one of those cloth wraps that moms do, like right against my skin because he, he wasn't even supposed to be out of the womb for like another three months, two and a half months, something like that. That's him. That's a regular size baby hat, you know, like a newborn infant hat. Look how ginormous. It looks like a, like a gnome hat on his little head. That's how little he is. He's about a month and a half old in that picture. That just gives you perspective. He still hasn't gotten to the size of like a regular baby. But I looked down at this little baby and I was in love. And I was like, I love him with all, all of my being. I love him. And yet it wasn't my choice. Nothing about it was in my control. It wasn't in my control as a foster parent. It wasn't in the control of the biological parents. It wasn't in the control of the, the state caseworkers. It wasn't in the control of the, it was like no one knew. One day they're like, you can probably adopt him. The next day they're like, he's probably going home to his biological parent. The next day it's like, there's a grandparent in the Virgin Islands that may take custody of him. The next day they're like, you have too many other foster placements, we're probably moving him. You can adopt him, but he's going home to the Virgin Islands. And it was like completely out of control, yet I'm holding this human being that I love fiercely with all of my heart. And I think God brings us battles like that in our lives because he wants to know Who's on the throne? Who are you trusting to be in control? Are you in control? Or are you saying, God, I trust not my will be done, but your will be done. Not, not what I think is right for my life, but what do you as the sovereign God of this universe know is right for everyone involved? And friends, when we try to grab hold of things we love, maybe it's a sport, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a grade, maybe it's a job, maybe it's a vehicle, maybe it's a reputation. We try to hold on to something we love so desperately when what God is saying is, no, 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 let go, relinquish control, and let me work out what is truly best. I'm so grateful to the Lord that what he worked out in that case was to allow me and my husband to be his parents. But there was a, many days where I didn't think that was gonna happen, but I still had to say, but even still, God, I trust you. And I don't know what Daniel was thinking as he's falling into the lion's den and he's hearing their growls and he knows that he has no control, no opportunity, no way to save himself, but he had already determined in his heart that come lions or whatever, that he was gonna serve God. And students, that's, that's what we each must do. We can't wait till we're in the lion's den. We can't wait till we've fallen in love with the preemie baby as a 30-year-old mother. We can't wait until we're in the middle of the relationship with a guy and we're not sure if he's right or wrong for us to decide who we're gonna be or who we're gonna trust or what we're gonna control. We have to decide in advance. We have to make up our mind like Daniel did and decide in advance who we're gonna be, who's gonna be in control. And I can tell you this, there were moments I wanted to control the destiny of little Judah, but I'm so glad. I'm so glad that I let go and I let God control it because he knows so much 
better than I do. And maybe you're like, well, JL, that's easy to say because he's so cute and you, you get to keep him. But he's not the first baby that I help. And he's not the first baby that we fostered. We lost others before him that we loved just as much that came to us for six months and left. And I trust God in that same process as well, not just the happy ending. And that's the question that we all face, that we all face when we're looking at the lion. Do we wanna try our John Cena moves? Do we wanna try to dominate and control? Or do we wanna relinquish and say, I'm gonna trust God? So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like you to kind of figure out in your own mind, like, what's your lion? What's the battle that you're facing? The lion you're staring eyeball to eyeball with. For some of you, that's so easy. The next question is, what's, what's the thing or the person or the situation that you're trying so hard to control? And I just feel like Jesus would ask this question, will you trust me? You can't figure your way out of it. Anyways, will you trust me? Will you relinquish control? Will you let go? Because what he's really asking ultimately, what God's really asking is, will you let him be the one that sits on the throne whether you like the circumstances or not. Will you let him be the one who sits on the throne of your heart, whether you like the circumstances or not? And that's something you have to make up your mind, your own mind ahead of time. I just encourage you to do that. Decide now who's on the throne, who's in control, in good situations and in ugly ones, everything in between. So God, we don't always know how to say it and we don't always, always know how to phrase it and sometimes we kind of suck at acting it out and living up to it, but we want you to know that you, you're on the throne, you're in control we relinquish, we give up control, we give up our perceived right to control. We just lay it ourselves and our lives and our futures at your feet. We ask you to do as you did for Daniel and to rescue us from the mouths of any lions. Be them the enemy, be them situations, be them seemingly people in our lives. Whatever those lions are, we, we trust you to rescue us. We're not gonna try to wiggle out of those problems on our own because we know that the very problem could be the thing shaping us and building us into the person you need us to be. But God, when we are in the lion's den, we just wanna say we need you so bad. We need you to shut the mouths of the lions. We need your presence comfort us in the lion's den. We need you to go with us. And we just thank you for all the times you've already delivered us from the mouths of lions. You are good, God. 
and we love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.